Hey, everybody, this is Chuck Everson from Villanova University, and welcome to the Big East Rewind. The Big East Rewind came about when Sonny Sparrow and I from Syracuse University were on a recruiting trip and became friends, and we've been friends ever since. And we had a bond that has developed over playing in the very tough Big East Conference. The Big East Rewind is all about Big East basketball, old school style with the battles and stories that came about during our time playing in the Big East. From the perspective of the media, coaches, former players, and even officials. So we hope you enjoy the Big East Rewind. Welcome to today's episode of the Big East Rewind, where we are back in the Panthers' den. We're going to interview Joey David from Pittsburgh. We're going to follow his travels from Indiana in high school and playing with Larry Bird all the way to Western PA, all the way to his career now as a doctor of physical therapy, running a couple of offices, working with his sons. Stay tuned. Enjoy. It was a great episode. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Big East Rewind. I am your host, Chuck Everson from Villanova. And today, as always, my main man from Syracuse University, the great Sonny Sparrow is with us. How are you, Sonny? Chuck, doing great. I'm looking forward to today. Yes, got another so guard on. Got another guard on. That's right. Got another guard on. Yep. And, and in fact, he's very similar to you. As a matter of fact, Sonny, you know, uh, it's going to be very interesting for you. It's like, you know, we always reference the Seinfeld show, you and I and Daryl <laughs> and Nick. And this is going to be like the bizarro world for you, I think. It, you know, I feel like <laughs> Elaine with you two guys on the show. You guys are so similar. You lead like parallel lives, you know. With the with the new Spider Man, it might be like the the multiverse, and you know I want to see you and Joe pointing at each other like in the like okay. like in the Spider Man movie, you know. But so our guest today is a Pitt Panther who played uh, the same time we did. He was he, in fact he was my year at Pitt. Uh, mm -hmm. We go back a little bit because we traveled together on the Big East Select team to Yugoslavia, and we've talked about that before on the show. I'm sure we'll be bringing that up again today. Um, he is a doctor and he's a, a PT uh, therapist, doctor of uh, physical therapy. And uh, he's here with us today. My main man, Joey David from the Pitts Panthers. How are you, Joe? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys getting me on here. So it's, uh, you guys have done a wonderful job bringing back some, some great memories. Yeah, thanks. We, we've had a lot of fun. You know, it's just been uh, it, it's been great um, hanging out with some of the guys. And then, you know, it's really nice now, now that we've done it for a while and Sonny can attest to this, you know, now we go out to a game and if, and if he and I are together, which we have been over the last several weeks, people are coming up to us and, and saying some nice things, which is really cool for us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. That part's pretty cool. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so listen, I alluded to it in the intro a little bit, but I have yeah. to, I have to tell you, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at you guys now, Joe, I know you're a long time. Okay. And, yeah. you know, and, and Sonny as well. I know Sonny since the recruitment days. So since high school, I know Sonny, but you got two guys, six foot five, two guards. Sonny ran the point. Joe was more of a shooter. Sorry, Sonny. He could, he could really fill it up. Okay. I've, I've been on the court with him. He could so dish it out too, baby. You guys are both, you're a dentist. He's a doctor in physical therapy, right? Both have their sons in their practices so far. We're identical, okay? Yeah. You got you got both guys were, were were like the smartest guys on their team. Besides being the point guard, we know the point guards get all the brains. You know, we get that. 
but uh, you guys, you guys both did fairly well. You both raised the average of the team, the team Q. You know, if you, <laughs> Sonny, I heard from Coach Beheim himself. He said he wouldn't trade your my my uh, my <laughs> scores for yours for sure. Yeah, and I did, I didn't you didn't hear me argue with him, son. <laughs> you know, and of course, you guys were both teenage heartthrobs back in the day on Tiger Beat Magazine and Teen, uh, <laughs> Teen Magazine, the Davy Jones and Davy Cassidy of your David Cassidy of your schools. You know, maybe we should do a 23. Maybe we should do a 23 and me and see if there's anything 23 there. 23 and me. You know, you guys were like, you know, rocks. Everybody, everybody loved you guys, you know. So I don't know if that was because of the short shorts or just because you were two good looking guys. I don't know. But it you seemed know. that uh, you had a lot of fans back when we were playing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of fun back then. A lot of fun. I Chuck, I don't think Joey got the gray hair memo though, man. I, no, I think, he did not. He I did, think it's kind of, I think he missed the memo, man. He, listen, he's got a full head. That's good because we we haven't had a lot of those guys, you know. Uh, you know, That's we can true. go down the list, but you know, at least we all yeah. still got it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Joe, let's kick it off. Let's get into sure. this. Talk to me about where you started. I know you came in from Western PA, right? So. Talk yeah. about talk about your roots in the game, how you started, how you developed your love for the game, and how you got to Pittsburgh. Well, you know, I was born in Pittsburgh, and uh, my father was the high school basketball coach at Chartiers Valley High School. Uh, T.J. McConnell came from Chartiers Valley. It's just down the street. And uh, so I grew up in the gym. My dad started studying theology when I was about 10 and became an Orthodox priest in uh, 1976 and when I was 12 and our first church that he was assigned to was in Terre Haute, Indiana. Now there, there's some things you're not gonna, you probably don't, never knew about me. So his first church in Terre Haute, Indiana and lo and behold, Indiana State's there. And there was this guy, Larry Bird at Indiana State that we yeah. went and watched play. And uh, he had just come over from Indiana and, um, that's where I fell in love with basketball. I mean, we went to the Holman Center, 3,000 people, seats 10,000. Bird has 35 the first night. I'm an impressionable seventh grader. I'm like, this is the greatest player in the world. My dad's like, look, the dude had a good night. You know, maybe he's not that good. Next night, 40-some. Next night, 30-some, 20-some. And so I watched him play for two years. But the, the greatest thing I think that ever happened to me, guys, was that in the summertime, I went to the boys club every day and I worked out, whether it was basketball, boxing, ping pong, whatever it was, my dad would drop me. It would be Bird. And with Steve Reed, who's the point guard, Bob Heaton, all those guys. And I was Bird's rebounder. So I was there every day and he'd say to me, hey, let's go rebound some shots for me. I'd rebound 700 shots for him, 600 shots for him. And I think that being there and seeing, see, everybody thinks they're a hard worker until they see somebody work hard, right? But seeing birds shoot that many, and I wanted to be good, I think helped me so much because I may have just went out for a half hour or 45 minutes and shot some basketball and went home. But I wanted to get my 700, my 1,000, my 800 shots up, and uh, that helped me a whole lot. So my love of basketball came from Indiana. My father was transferred back here to Pittsburgh. They lived in the church's home. And uh, it was in a, a suburb of Pittsburgh, Upper St. Clair, a kind of a well-to-do area. So everybody thought I was some rich kid, but I surely wasn't. And um, 
played at Upper St. Clair and uh, got some good looks, had a hell of a five-star basketball camp in the summer and got a lot of people looking at me and the um, rest is history. You know, I was Seth Greenberg recruiting me to go to Pitt. I didn't want to play at Pitt there in the Eastern Eight. I could have played in the ACC. I wanted to play in the Big Ten. I verbally committed to Ohio State. Um, but then he came back to me during baseball season and uh, told me that they joined the Big East. And uh, I thought that was really cool to be on TV and let everybody you know, watch you play. And um, uh, I could play right here at home. I wasn't overly thrilled with the, with the, the head coach, Coach Chipman. Um, I like somebody on the other guys a little bit better, but uh, I kind of attached myself to Seth Greenberg and um, went to Pitt. So that's how I ended up at the uh, University of Pittsburgh. So the Big East was a turning point for you going to Pittsburgh. The Big East, my freshman year, like Chuck, our freshman year was the first year in the Big East, at least for Pitt. I'm sorry, not for Chuck. So my freshman year was the first year. Uh, I was Pitt's first Big East rookie of the week, Pitt's, all that kind of stuff, you know, because it was our first year. Um, yeah. I, I had watched, I had just watched, you know, Carolina and Georgetown play in that national championship. And yeah, lo and behold, freshman. you know, the next year I'm guarding, I'm guarding Fred Brown and they're, they're right in front of you. So I had, it was kind of cool. Oh, no, but my point was, is, is that what you're saying is because Pitt went to the Big East, that, that closed the no, deal for you. No doubt. No doubt. I would never want to Pitt cool. if didn't go to the Big East. Yeah. I would have went somewhere cool. else. I really love the Big Ten being from Indiana, you know, and watching Purdue and Michigan, Indiana University. You know, I really wanted to play in the, in, in the Big Ten. So when you're in Indiana, you had to, like, Hoosiers. I mean, the whole – I mean, does that bring back, um, like, just memories? Yeah. I mean, it was just fantastic being there. And people – if you haven't experienced it, um, you know, it's – I remember my dad coming to an, an eighth-grade game or a seventh-grade game, and, and the lady saying to him, hey, do you have a season ticket? My dad's like, no, grade? I just want to come watch my son play. I need a <laughs> ticket to get in here, you know. So uh, it was a Sarah Scott Junior High. Uh, Greg Oden went there, uh, Sarah yeah. Scott Junior High. Uh, um, but a really wonderful place to really, if you loved basketball, which, you know, I, I think was wonderful for me coming from Western Pennsylvania, where it's more of a football area, uh, to mm -hmm. be out there and see people appreciate basketball was awesome. Now, where did baseball come in? Because your dad said, uh, you know, I read a couple of things, said that you were a pretty good baseball player, too. Yeah, my, um, I played baseball all my life, and I had offers to play baseball, too. I was supposed to play at Pitt in the spring, and uh, I never really did. Um, that first year, as you guys know, that first year of college basketball, man, it's a long year. And the team was down in Panama City. Baseball teams in Panama City. I was getting back from the Big East, and I remember telling the coach, his name was Bobby Lewis, as a coach, Lewis, Maybe next year. This year, I just want to kind of relax this year. But next year never came. I never did it. So kind of regretted it. Baseball is always, to me, is a happy-go-lucky yeah, fun, fun type of a sport. You know, yeah. I don't have to be in shape. I'm not grabbing my knees out of breath. You know, and no one's hitting you with an elbow. It was kind of fun to play. <laughs> but my dad would always say to people that uh, I was a better baseball player than I was a basketball player. And, and that's another thing you have in common with one Sonny Sparrow. You know, the guys no, really. Sonny played baseball. baseball. He got drafted. You know, oh, so, wow. you know, yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Yeah. You're a pitcher or something. I was a pitcher. Yeah. Good for you. What, I was, what position did you play, Joe? I, you was, too, I right? was playing. I was a first baseman. I played first base and I was just a hitter. And, uh, um, but uh, that, that's, I never got a chance to play in college. 
at the long ball. That's why he played first base, man. Tell the so, truth. Yeah, well, yeah. I played yeah. first base. It didn't go quite that well, believe me when I tell you. My strike zone yeah. was a little too big, Sonny, you know? Yeah. A guy like you would strike me out in like three pitches, so. So, so Joe, so you mentioned Seth uh, Greenberg. Yeah. We had we had Seth on the show. Seth is great. Seth, I, I think, you know, when we were growing up and, and coming into the, the basketball recruitment process, Seth was everywhere, man. I mean, he every yeah. time I went to a camp or a clinic or or anywhere, Seth was there. And uh, the guy must have put a zillion miles on his car, you know, in a very yeah. short period of time. What was Talk that about your relationship with him and, and you know, how he influenced you or if he influenced you and in coming to. No, Seth was a great guy and, and he recruited me and looked after me when I was with Pitt. Um, uh, I get I. I guess I can say, I mean, we, we went on a double date right before the uh, season, before the school started. Uh, Seth had a girlfriend and uh, her younger sister, and I guess, knew me. And he said, hey, I want to go out to a movie with so-and-so. And it was kind of fun. Um, so he was like a good friend to me. I knew I could always count on him. And he still is to this day. Yeah. Uh, he's just a great guy. I, I hated the fact that they, you know, they got rid of him my sophomore year. And, um, you know, when a guy that recruits you leaves, as you guys know, I mean, you've got to fight for yourself because as we know now, those, those coaches are fighting for those guys they recruited to make them look good. And, um, I was kind of on my own once he left, uh, I almost followed him. He went to, I believe Miami, they were just starting their program up and uh, I almost followed him there. I almost left there after my sophomore year. And, uh, he went to, you know, went on to Long Beach state, USF. Long Beach State, and uh, yeah. always kept in touch with him. Um, and then uh, he went to Virginia Tech, and my son went to Virginia Tech. So when I went to, to BT, I'd always go down and see Seth and uh, uh, hang out with him pregame of the football games. And um, one day he said to me, he said, hey, why don't you swing by the, uh, the basketball, the gymnasium, collides down there. You know, Clyde's there. He was working some guys out or something. So I walked in and Clyde, at the time, Clyde lost a lot of weight, but Clyde was a little bit bigger. And he looked at me and the first thing he said to me was, look, man, you can't be in this gym. You got to get out of there. This is a private thing. And then he stopped and said, Joey David, what's up, man? You know, and so uh, it was good to see him there too. But, you know, Seth has always looked after his former players. It's not, um, it's very sincere. Uh, he's been to my house here. And uh, we sat and had some some vino and relaxed and talked about things. And uh, he's just a really great, good-hearted person that's willing to do anything for anybody. And um, we, I'm fortunate we, that he was in my life. We know what Clyde said. Clyde said, "Pass me the ball." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Clyde. Clyde, yeah. Clyde is a character. We had him on, and uh, <laughs> he might have had he might have had the greatest line ever <laughs> on the history of the show. He said he, he said that he was talking with Gene Waldron. He said. You just give me the ball. You can get yourself an assist, but I'm getting the bucket. You know, he said, he <laughs> yeah. was, you just give me the ball and you get an assist. You know, you're good. Yeah. You know, that's no gray all area, man. No gray area. Yeah, so, Clyde, yeah. Clyde's a good guy. Clyde's a good guy. I mean, I was, when I first went in there, I mean, he, he literally just told me, look, this ain't high school, man. You got pass me the ball. You can't shoot the ball every time you touch the basketball. Pass me the ball, you know. And then, of course, over the <laughs> years, great. you know, I dribbled the ball down the court and I made a pass and I just went back and played D. I knew it wasn't ever coming back. He, he made sure he got to all the young guys to let them know that, you know, I get the rock, you know. He did. So, he did. That's how he got 2,000-plus points, Joe. Yep. But he was good, though. He was good. Oh, he was, he was good. Very good. Oh, he was. Yeah. Yep. So, Joey, talk about your dad, because your dad had 
played at Pitt as well. Yeah. And was also a two sport athlete. So talk a little bit about, you know, growing up, I mean, if, I'm sure in a family, right. In the family culture, was that ever discussed about your dad's, uh, you know, past or, or how? Yeah. That I mean, I used to spend time, I mean, I reading my dad's clippings and, um, you know, Doc Carlson was his coach at Pitt. Doc Carlson is in the Hall of Fame, the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame, and um, was an innovator, figure eight weaves and things like that. And uh, I knew all those guys. I feel like I, I knew them from reading all the clippings and uh, Dodo Canterno, Bimbo Sacconi, Mort Lerner, all these guys. And obviously I wanted to emulate my father growing up. You know, he was my hero. Here's who I wanted to be like and I wanted to play basketball fit he took me to pick games and um it was really kind of cool uh he was a great athlete signed two professional contracts one in baseball one in basketball mm-hmm. and uh um he was a big influence in my life but he really stayed away from me as far as he never like parents today you know I coach high school basketball I mean they're involved I mean I remember telling my dad look we got a playing the number three team tonight Duffel Clark high school and it's going to be it's a big game and I remember him telling me, look, good luck, but the Islanders and the Rangers are on tonight. I'm going to watch that game. <laughs> and uh, like, but I, but my senior year, he was at every game, every pit game. I kind of knew what he was doing as a coach. He was kind of keeping his distance away from me. I think he was afraid to put too much pressure on me. Knew I was doing pretty well and just kind of kept his distance. But uh, a sweet, sweet man. I, I, uh, if I could, um, be a little bit like him, I'd be, I'd be very successful. So, how but, did that yeah, translate? You, you said you coach your own kids. How did that translate into coaching your kids and, and seeing them? Well, grow? a little different. I mean, I coach my kids. So, I, um, you know, my oldest son, my second oldest son didn't play for me. Uh, he was more of a golfer. And then my second son ended up playing for Orlando Antigua at South Florida. My third son went with Calipari to, to Kentucky and he was there for four years. And uh, he was pretty good and he had some chances to play. Um, when, the, when the Kentucky thing was preferred walk on came to him, he just wanted to go there and play. He wanted to be, you know, in a big time program versus an Ivy League school or a, a Patriot League school. And it was his choice. And he's like, a, he's a celebrity. And Lexi, <clears throat> Johnny's a celebrity. So his best friends are, you know, guys in the NBA, Bam Adebayo and, uh, you know, Hero and you, you name every, all those guys that he played with all, all those guys. And, you know, Jamal Murray, and he keeps in touch with all these guys. And, uh, um, you know, it's been a great, it's been a great experience for us to, to go to those games and, and uh, meet those parents and meet those players and see Cal, who coached me at Pitt my senior year. Uh, Orlando Antigua started coaching. You know Orlando Antigua? I don't. So Orlando Antigua started coaching me at Mount Lebanon, went to Pitt as an assistant, joined John Calipari at Memphis. Went to Kentucky with John Calipari, was the head coach of South Florida. Now he's back as uh, the number one assistant at Kentucky. And, um, you, you know, he was a, one of the first, he was the first Hispanic Harlem Globetrotter, another fit guy. And probably a great guy to have on someday. Wow. See how he dropped that in, Chuck? Another he pick guy. That right in. Subtle. That was, good. That was very good. Yeah. Very subtle. <laughs> he'll have better stories than he'll have better stories than me, <laughs> Orlando. <laughs> Globetrotters and head coach and, you know, so. He had a bull. He's the one that had the bullet lodged in his, got shot and had a bullet lodged in his head for years when he played Jeez. at Pitt. Don't oh you ever remember? God. Yeah, wow. end up coming out, but that was Orlando Antigua, another fantastic human being, great wow. guy, great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I we I, I tell you what, you talk about 
you guys and the Pitt Panthers and stuff. It, it, that was a tough place to play. What was it? Fitzgerald Fieldhouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That was, I, that mean, I, you know, it was tough and, and the people were right on top of you. And that was like, it felt like to me that the wood was laid down right on top of the cement. There was like, no, there was no give at all. You left, you left the gym. You had to ice down immediately. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. Talk about it was a fun, it was a place. cool place. It, I loved playing there. It was just so homey and so intimate. Uh, we always felt like we had an advantage. You know, uh, yeah. we played Georgetown the first year. We played Georgetown at their place. We were warming up, and they came out, and we stopped warmups just to look at them. Like there goes Patrick Ewing. There goes so and so. There, there they are. There's all these guys, and we got our asses kicked by I think thirty. A week later, they came to the field house and we beat them. You know, we kind of had that that moment where you realize, hey, there's this, they're just dudes. You know, we got to play against these guys. But uh, yeah. the field house, we had beaten Syracuse, um, Georgetown, uh, St. John's. And I remember we had to beat BC and Sports Illustrated was going to do this thing on us. They always already took the pictures about these giant killers and whatever it was. And we lost the BC. So they flushed that down the toilet. They flushed it. So, <laughs> yeah. Your best work wound up on the cutting floor, cutting room floor. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. You also yeah. beat us pretty handedly, if I remember correctly. I think I do. You know, in, yeah. in '85, we took a beating uh, from yeah. you guys, and you know that was a crazy game because I got caught in the middle of that because I didn't start and I wasn't on the on the the back five, but I was right square in the middle. So when he took when he came in and we went in a halftime, he said, "Look, you guys have two minutes to play." Yeah. or i'm taking you out and he was no bs man he was when he said it he he meant what he said and two minutes it went in and he took everybody out and put the and put the uh the second team in and they got the mvp the chevrolet player of the game was given to the second team on our we didn't give it to one they didn't oh, give geez. it to one guy to give it to the whole second team um so so joey talk about any experiences you got with roly <laughs> well um there's a lot right game, there you know, sonny first of all right? that, that game was fantastic that game was a great up. game and i've used that game so much uh both in coaching we we lost to a rival team by 20 the last game of the year and i walked into that locker room and i said you know we're going to win the western pennsylvania championship because we just got our asses kicked and i was on a team that beat villanova in 1985 and they went on to win a national championship because of that game and this is that same type of a game where you're going to come to practice the next day. You're going to pay attention and do all sorts of, you know, you're, you're, you're locked in, you're, you're, you're focused. And I think that's probably what it did for you. And it does for teams that when that happens, yeah. um, I've also used the, I've also used masses move where I've, I've yanked my guys out and said, I'm on a bench and it's helped us go on to, to bigger and better things. But um, the, my best story with mass, me, you know, was, you know, my freshman year and I can't say the F word on here, but I'll, I'll just use like, I'll use the word freak instead, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm taking the ball out and, and, and Chuck, it was at that, whatever you called it. It was the, like the field house. And the, the cat house, they called the it. The cat yeah. house. It was at the yeah. cat house. Now and it's like, called these, Nevin. Now it's the, the Nevin. Students were they're like, your knees were in your back. Right. And I'm taking the ball out of bounds <laughs> right in front of Massimino, right in front of the bench, Dick Preparo, who's a big time uh, referee, many Rugby. final fours Rugby, was there. Yeah. And, and Massimino's dropping the F-bomb to Dick Papara, like, Dick, what the freak kind of freaking call is that? And, and Papara's listening to this, and, and I'm listening, and I'm like, and I'm this naive little freshman, right? And I was like, I said to Papara, I said, hey, 
he can't talk to you like that. That's a technical foul. And, and Massimino looked at me and says, you freaking little freshman, don't you ever freaking come into my freaking place and tell me what the frick to say. And, he, and, he, and I looked at Preparo like, there's evidence there. Look, that's a T. And Preparo said, this played a freaking game to me. <laughs> you dropped your ball. <laughs> and, I, and I learned right then and there, like, uh, you can talk to guys like that. I didn't know you could kind of use that language. And, uh, but Massimino put me in my place. He put me in my place right away. I always, you know, our coaches didn't like each other. Chipman and Massimino didn't get along at all. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about. I know they didn't, was, you know. It was about the Doug West thing. Oh, right. Okay. And he yeah. was common and not common, and I remember that. But uh, uh, I always had great respect for him, um, you know, as the point guard, shooting guard, to, to prepare for Villanova, you had to prepare for a lot of stuff. You used to mix it up a lot, you know. Yeah. We knew going to Syracuse and send a two-three zone, right? We knew Georgetown was going to bring the man in that pressure, but Villanova could throw a few, few different things at you, and he had to be ready for it. And he always kept us on our toes. So, really nice coach. And I always was envious about how much, how you and and uh, Jensen and those guys referred to him with reverence. You know, um, that was always kind of cool, and how much you guys loved that guy. So. Yeah, he was a special guy. But to your point, when we when we played defense, we played multiple defenses on one yeah. possession. So like on the third pass, we would go from like a one three one trap to a two three, or and then go yeah. from a two three or, or go from two three to a man to man. So you had to be on top of it all the time. Otherwise, you know, you get you get passed by and that's it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it was hard. It was always hard to prepare for, you know. Yeah. And you guys yeah. were always good. You had, you had so many, so many great players uh there and uh i got a chance to spend some time you know i get an opportunity i work with tim you know tim gergrich is i don't i know so the tim name. Gergrich, i can't picture the yeah face. so tim was was a coach before chipman uh coach right. gerg and uh went up being a, a famous nba coach assistant coach and has a camp every year for many many years uh for nba guys and it's just we just we just work guys out and they and they and it was now as a hundred some coaches hundred some players in the NBA go there every year to Vegas. Uh, but I've been invited out there for the last nine years and I've got a chance to, uh, you know, work with and, and see like Archie Diacono, Ryan Archie Diacono and Jalen Brunson and these guys. And uh, it's kind of cool, you know, to see, um, and they're good guys and they're really good guys and they're, they're hell of a players. And I mean, they just keep yeah. cranking them out there. Don't know if, I mean, Jay's done a wonderful job. Yeah. Jay, so gotta, Jay took everything he learned from Roley and just took it up another yeah. level you know so yeah. yeah he's done a good job and those guys all know who we are and everybody else who played you know so they all come that's over awesome. to practice and say hey thanks for coming to watch us play and that kind that's of awesome. stuff it's, it's that kind of environment you know so yeah it's, that culture it makes that culture for a lot is of, fantastic yeah and it, and it makes for a lot of fun for for it, the older guys now too but you can go back and yeah. hang out like you're like you're part of it still you know which yeah. is really yep. nice you were gonna yeah. say so, Joey, something. i'm sorry care to share any coach Beheim stories Coach Beheim, you don't have any Coach Beheim stories, you know. Uh, I can't, I can't think of many Coach Beheim stories. You know, he was always very nice to me, uh, always very kind. Um, you know, Syracuse was a special place. You know, always ten feet of snow, thirty thousand people up there. Uh, my, my best time, my, my best story in Syracuse has to do with Nick Vitale. You know, we lost to you guys. I don't know what year it was, but. We went down to the library bar. Yeah. Remember the yeah, library? Yeah, 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 the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, so at we the go hotel. Down the library now. 
Now I'm right 21. Right by Hotel Syracuse. Yeah. 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 And I'm 21 or 22. And, you know, beers, what are beers at the library? Like six fifty or six bucks back in the 80s, what it was. And so me and Mick Lasevich, remember Mick Lasevich? I do. So yeah, me and Mick went down and somebody sent us over four tall drafts. Okay. Like complimentary, like, hey, you know, they were pit people there or whatever. And I remember Vitale coming over and saying, hey, what are, what are you guys doing? I'm like, and Nick Savage loved his beer. He loved his beer more than I. He's like, we're drinking these beers. And Mick and, and Vitale said to the waitress, these are athletes. They don't drink beer. Please send these back. And I thought Mick Savage was going to take his head off, Vitale, Nick Vitale. But that was at the uh, Matt almost the library. Crying. That's it's funny. I, I forgot about that place. Yeah. Crying. The library that was downtown. That was a popular, that was the a popular library. coaches hangout. Yeah. And I was, yeah. that was one of, that was one of three games in my four years that I did not participate in. And so really? I went down there thinking, screw it, man. I didn't play me. What's he going to do? Bench me if he sees me at the bar. You know what I mean? Uh, we never really had rules. I don't know if you guys ever did, but we never had rules to say that you, know, you can't go down and have a drink here or a drink there, but we had curfews, but um did you guys have those rules we Curfews. had it depended on the time like we yeah. had them at times and then all of a sudden they were gone and then they came back and then he had them and then pearl said i'm done with this and then we dropped those rules and so so we had we had a blending yeah we had some rules and then we had some not rules so yeah listen if you were told to be somewhere at a certain time and you weren't there um you know, I felt bad for you because you'd he'd bring buckets out on the court and everything, and you'd have to run until uh, basically you filled up the buckets. You know, yeah, so. we 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 had it a little easier than that. That's probably why you guys yeah. beat our ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was no joke. You know, like yeah. the one thing I'll say about Mass is he let us be kids. You know, and and if yeah. and kids make mistakes, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, everybody makes their mistakes, but he let us be kids. And when you made a mistake, you paid, you paid the piper, you know, and that's yeah. the way it goes. But at least he let us go out there. And if we messed up, we messed up. You know, it was one of those things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, was, it was good. Hey, that Joey, what, yeah. what are some of the what are speaking of places you played? Right. I know that BC had the Rabbits Robert Center, that little small gym. Right. I think Seton Hall. I don't know if you played them at Walsh Gym or another. Sure. Gym. They had the small gym. What are some of the places and memories that you got that just stick in your mind today, especially well, as a coach? Well, Boston, no, Boston College started that at Robert Center. Every time I touch the ball, they start that Joey, Joey. Really? Oh, and as soon as I passed it, do you remember that? They did that, that to Harold Presley, too. They killed yeah. him. As soon as they passed the ball, they'd stop. They were so good at it. It was pretty impressive, you know. And uh, <laughs> I remember, I think, going 0 for 5 or something like that. And then the next year thinking, I'm going to get these guys. Then it started picking up. I go to Seton Hall and – they do the same thing. But then I made it some shots and it kind of died down. But uh, that was hard to play in those in those places. Um, I loved playing in big places. I loved playing in the Dome. I loved playing. We played in the uh, um, the New Orleans uh, Dome. What's that called down there? Superdome. Superdome Super for the Super for the uh, Sugar Bowl Classic, which was kind of cool. Uh, but I love playing in the big places. I remember, you know, even playing at with the St. John's Arena, St. John's Arena. Yeah, 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 alumni arena. Alumni, alumni arena. arena. Yep. I remember people yelling out, Joey, does your mom know you're playing up here with the big boys? And, you know, people screaming stuff at you. And you, you love that. You know, West Virginia was very hard to play at uh, uh, in the Coliseum. That was kind of a, a local rival type of a game for us. Uh, it was a big yeah. rival in the Eastern Eight. And it kind of 
held on to it when we played in the Big East. You know, they'd love to beat us down there. Um, but uh, I never played in the Boston Garden. Always wanted to play there. I thought that'd be kind of cool to play there. Um, I remember at Villanova. How about the year, Chuck? You remember the year that had the big snowstorm and oh Dick Abbott. God. Dick Abbott had to do the play-by-play, and uh, both teams. I remember you guys and Pickney. You guys had to push our cars out of a lot as as a group. Both Pitt and yeah. Villanova players came together trying to get cars out of a lot. We we're pushing cars well, out. You, you talk about you talk about college kids and be- and beverages that they drank. Uh, you know, school was closed, but you guys were already at the St. David's Inn right down the street. So they, yeah. we were going to play. The referees were there. You guys were there. They said, "Screw it, let's play," and they let everybody in. Like and all the and all the students had off. They were you know. Yeah. So it was the it was the most raucous crowd that we ever had in that place. And that place got pretty wild. It did. And it then did. the roof came off when Dwayne McLean went over Matt's head, Miklasevich, yeah. and put one down on him pretty good. And, uh, he, he you know, the, the whole roof was going to come off at that point. I, you didn't that have any been, shot when you went to that game. There was no that way. That may have been the first poster <laughs> of the posterizing dunks. Oh, yeah. That was on the cover of the Philadelphia paper the next the next day. That was on the front page. Yep. And it was a nasty look. Yeah, I, mean, I know you guys have put it up. I've seen it before. And <laughs> yeah. it was a nasty look. Yeah. But there was one there was one game. I think I told you the only game I never wanted to play in, in four years was at Villanova. And we were staying at the hotel right near the spectrum out there near the, air, the airport. And, um, and I and I met um, Twisted Sister and Iron Maiden. <laughs> okay so yeah. i'm in the lobby and it's snowing and it's starting to snow and these dudes were high as a kite and uh i just kind of befriended them we we're just bullcrapping and talking and we're sitting in the lobby and girls were coming in the hotel and falling down on the floor when they saw these guys and these guys probably hadn't showered for a week but they were twisted sister and iron maiden right and uh they kept they said look you got to come with us come to this concert tonight we'll hang out i'm like oh that'd be great that'd be fantastic and i'm like come on snow come on snow the only time i was like oh please cancel this game so i can go to the iron maiden and twisted sister concert with these guys but uh they, they didn't they didn't cancel so i went over and played so so chuck when you said he's a rock star he's a true rock star man. he is a rock star i told you <laughs> he's really a rock star i told you <laughs> That never yeah. happened to me. That never, never a scenario like that. You, I mean, it's uh, funny that, who you come across, right? When you're on the road like that all the time. Oh yeah. We, we, went, we ran never... into, we ran into in uh, Poughkeepsie, we ran into Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and they were still in makeup. They were pulling two girls each into there, wherever they were going. And I would go over uh, by the bar and uh, there's a guy named Blackie Lawless, I think his name was. I'm not even sure what the name of his band. I think it's, I don't even know. You know, And and the guy had tats from here to here on both arms, on his neck, everywhere. And um, Massimino comes home and goes, what the hell are you doing? What the hell? Get the hell out of here with this guy. He starts That's yelling funny. at me to get rid of And meanwhile, we're just talking about rock and roll and stuff. It wasn't anything crazy. Hey, Chuck, how about, how about us in Providence when uh, Bobby Brown, uh, what's that group called? New Edition. New edition, new, yeah. Was a new edition? Yeah, yeah, Bobby Brown was part of new Bobby edition. Brown. Yeah, Bobby Brown. So yeah. you remember that? We were at the Providence Hotel and those guys had a concert. And uh oh, really? th- yeah, and they they were the place was packed with people that, that day too. And th- these little dudes got off the bus, they're about five foot five, you know, in, in uh you know, um, bathrobes and with these huge guards, and 
it was kind of, it was always kind of neat being on the road and seeing who you would see, you know? Um, so, so you're alluding to the fact that we played together over overseas in, in Yugoslavia yeah. and we, and we, our camp, Sonny was set up at, at Providence, you know, the guys from Providence kind of ran the whole thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and we went on and we've talked about it. We've actually had, uh, Joe, you'd appreciate this. We actually had coach Brown and coach Marbach on oh, who were awesome. our two coaches yeah. talking about the trips and that trip in particular. So share some, share some stories with everybody about, about that, what that was like playing with guys that you normally play against. And yeah. all of a sudden now, like I know you and Ron, uh, Ron Rowan got pretty close, but you guys were yeah. kind of rivals on the floor a little bit. I mean, you played sure. the same spot, so you know you had to play each other. So talk yeah. about what that was like that all of a sudden you had to put that aside and now you had to get together and, and you know, and be teammates. Yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. It was great to get a chance to um, get to know, you know, other guys from these other teams and, and play with them. And, uh, you know, uh, Ron Rowan was a fantastic player and Ron's from Western Pennsylvania, he's from Beaver Falls. And me and him end up, I coached his son in AAU. Uh, Maverick, who ended up going to North Carolina State. I think he's in the G League somewhere or playing overseas. Um, uh, obviously, yourself, uh, you know, Harold Jensen, um, the whole crew that uh, went over there. It was, it was just a great, great experience. And, you know, my, we played against, you know, Jocelyn Petrovic and uh, all those guys and Divac and whatever those guys. And uh, the first night he had like 51 against us, if you remember. And um, yeah. I, I remember we didn't know who he was because. Yeah, understand there, there wasn't an internet so you go over to yugoslavia and all these little kids have this guy's picture with this big hair on on their shirts and all of a sudden you're playing against this dude and we're like who's this guy but he dropped 51 on us and um but that was the first and only time i played with the three-point line and uh i had seven the first game and eight the second game and yeah. it really wasn't anything special to be honest with you but i remember and you probably don't remember this chuck but you said something to me that I always will remember because you know at Pitt and the way we played you know if I had a three-point line my career would have been completely different if you had to pound the ball and Sonny will attest to this right you had to pound the ball down low to the big fella you know particularly if you were behind you didn't want yeah. a long shots you want to get the clock stopped get an end one whatever but um, the three-point line was the European three-point line I think it was 23 it wasn't anything special um, beyond the three-point and, and it was a pretty easy shot but I remember coming out of the game after I'd made those shots and you turned to me and said, I've never seen anybody shoot the ball like that. And, yeah. and, and, and I remember thinking that made me feel so good because at the time I was probably lacking a little bit of confidence because I knew I could shoot, but yet in the system that we played in, I couldn't, I wasn't permitted to shoot. If I didn't miss, I'd come out uh, or things like that. And you can't be a shooter as Sonny, you know, Sonny knows this. You can't be a shooter. And what are you trying to say? I can't shoot Joe. Sonny knows no. about it. Is that what you're saying? Sonny knows, I, man. It's a, it's yeah. a guard thing. That's right, because I wasn't allowed to shoot past the foul line. Yeah. You guys didn't shoot outside the paint. You kidding me? That's right. Yeah. And uh, I was telling my team that the other day. How about the fact that back in the day, people talked about you, you weren't allowed to get into the paint, Sonny. Don't come in. The guys would say, don't you dare come into the paint. <laughs> like, what are you doing in here? Get the hell out of here. We're going to take your head off. So yeah, right. it was. And they tried and, to. And, and that doesn't really exist anymore in, in high school, at least in high school and college. I don't think people talk about that anymore, but uh, that trip was awesome, man. I was, it was really great. Um, uh, it, it was a great experience. The first time I was out of the country and uh, we had a really good time. We had a really good time. We did we a lot did. of fun things and 
uh, met a lot of different people. And, um, uh, it, you know, even I, today, even to today, I see patients that are Serbian and I'll talk about chabops, chabopchi cheese that we had to eat, the plum brandy. And they, have, yeah. they put a big smile on their face and they say, you know about that? I said, yeah, I was in your, I was in your country when it was Yugoslavia and uh, the different, and, and actually the place Chuck that was, um, what's it called? And that's Game of Thrones made it famous now. You know that, right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, did you watch Game of Thrones? Not, I'm not as, I'm not as into it as others. My son watched every episode, but I was okay. So, so you got to tell him that where that was filmed was where you, you were, where our for the beach right there. And I'm trying to blank on it. Um, Split, not split. It was, uh, oh lord, Zagreb, not Zagreb, not Belgrade. It was the first beach town we went to, and. It'll come to me. I, I should have it for the podcast, but we could splice it in there. But um, you could flash it on the screen. I'll right. let you know what it is if it, if it does come to me. But either way, that's where they filmed the Game of Thrones. And it's actually, I was reading about it. It's kind of ruined the city. Tourism has ruined the city because everybody wants to see these steps and everywhere where all these famous uh, scenes come from. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, you know, what was wild too, Joe, is we got from the hotel got on a bus, went to the marketplace, hung out like all afternoon and actually got back to the hotel without a smartphone, without ways, without yep. any kind of uh, enhancements. Mm-hmm. You know, we had nothing, no maps, right. no nothing. Couldn't read, couldn't read or write the language. We knew the numbers. That was it. That was all we had. Yeah, right? yeah that was it. That was it. Yeah. But uh, what a great trip. And I, I think that trip, if you remember correctly, we were supposed to go to Italy. And they canceled that Italy part of that trip while we were over there. So we never went. We stayed and played 15 games there against the, you know, the, the Croatian oh, yeah. team and uh, the national team. We played them a few times. And I yep. uh, remember walking by those guys in the locker room. They're smoking cigarettes. Halftime. Yeah, that's right. They all get, then they're smoking cigarettes. And we traveled on the same bus. Remember, to and from the games. Maybe oh, I remember. you remember. And yep. the, guys didn't, the guys didn't know what deodorant was. And the bus was... <laughs> It was so bad they looked at us and remember somebody took a, uh, some deodorant to them and said hey try this and they laughed at us they laughed right. at us for trying to get them because it was a pretty pretty uh pretty small the only bus. one not on the bus was petro he would they wouldn't he had his own car exactly exactly he wouldn't and, ride the uh, bus with the rest of us and what a player man what a player he was he was something else and speaking, of great, speaking and- of great players joe who were some of the really good players that challenged you and who was the who were the guys that you said oh no not this guy i got this guy again who were those uh, type of guys? besides sunny other yeah, than besides sunny and you and you uh well depends on the team you know obviously i think chris mullen was was fantastic and uh having to guard him um we played him a boxing one here and there and i was the guy in the box with him uh he was so good because he could do so many things he could pull up he could shoot the, the long shot he could take it to the rim he was awfully difficult. Um, it, I remember it, playing China. It, it lean China in. Dark. What's that? It, that lean in where you fouled him yeah, all the time. Yeah. He put that but ball I remember, right in front of him. But, you know, for me, I was a shooting guard. But because I was unselfish, they put me at point guard to distribute the basketball, right? So now, you know, I'm guarding Pearl. You know, I'm guarding Michael Adams. Talk about fast. Ooh. How about, how about um, Dom, what was his name? Uh, Dom Presley. 
Dominic Presley. Presley yeah, from BC. How fast was that kid? He was you know? lightning fast. Yeah. Lightning fast. Uh, he, pa- he passed too. He was. Uh, yeah. He I'm, yeah. Earl Kelly. Earl Kelly. Earl Kelly, yeah. another good one. And they had um, Vern and Carl too. Those guys. Yeah, we played against Carl Malone. I didn't have to guard him, you know, when we played for the NCAA tournament the one year. Uh, but I'm trying to think of the best, you know, Petrovic would be up there and watching him do what he did, where you look and you think, holy crap, man, that's, it's just so, they're just so good. Um, uh, so those are, those are some of the names that come to, you know, to my mind. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys. What about you guys? Sonny? Oh, man. Well, for me, it's a lot of the same guys, you know, and when I had, yeah. Because I was a point guard, and much to the dislike of what you're going to feel, we played some man-to-man back in my day. So um, uh, Curtis Aiken, for you guys, sure. was a tough cover. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and Georgetown, I mean, take your pick. David Wingate, right. Michael Jackson, uh, you know, they, and they Williams. just came, you know, Horace, they just came off the bench, man. They, they, they subbed like hockey teams, you know? Yeah. But, you know, Chris Mullins and then, you know, Mark Jackson. Before Mark Jackson, there was, uh, you know, there was Mike Moses. There was the other point guard. Uh, Kelly was his last name. It was Bob Kelly. I can't remember his first name. Yeah, he was a tough guy. There was some tough players. I mean, yep. uh, I mean, you kind you, you had Carl Hobbs and Vern just come, and I was like, oh come on, man, I can't chase these two little guys around. You know, yeah. no, there definitely was no nights off. I mean, and how about, and how about McLean and McLean for Villanova, and then you had uh, what was it? Yep, was Gary McLean, uh, um, Wilbur was he? Was that the other guy? Yeah, Dwight Dwight Wilbur, shooting yep. guard. Yeah, he could shooting shoot guard. Him. Yeah, I mean, um, it was tough. And, you know, uh, Stuart nice Granger, team. my Stuart freshman Ranger. year, yep. was, was yep. tough. And that you're talking about Syracuse, you know, Red Bruin, um, Leo Routens and those guys. Yep. I mean, yep. Eric Sanifer, you know, uh, they, were, they were just – you used to go on and on. And um, there was no easy night, right? No. There was no easy night. Listen, you, you guys had some players too, Joe. I mean, Demetrius yeah. killed us, Demetrius right. Moore. Talk about Demetrius. Talk about Gore, Demetrius. Huh? He just, we just lost him last year, right? Talk yeah. about Demetrius for a second. Uh, Demetrius is the one, just a good kid. I mean, Demetrius, um, you know, we probably about six months before he passed away, we had a little meeting of our team and stuff, and we got a chance to talk to him. But to me, of everybody that I ever guarded, and I guarded Demetrius a lot in practice. I mean, I never said this about anybody else, but I, I could never figure out how in the world he would score. Like, I would do everything right. I'd be in his face. I take away. I don't know, but somehow, in some way, this kid had a gift. Like he could score. And how in the world he didn't wind up getting some a run at, at the, in the league? I don't know. You know, because he had that potential uh, to do that. But um, he takes some ill-advised shots all the time. But he was just he was fantastic. He was fantastic and a good kid. Really good kid. He uh, he was a heck of a cross country runner in high school. He was telling me one time. I didn't really? never realize that. And uh, his, he has uh, a few children, I think three or four kids. They all came to a, uh, a service we had for him up in the Hill District. And I got a chance to meet his kids and uh, some family members and some of his boys from back in Detroit. Um, but a uh, heck of a player, man, just a heck of a player. Yeah, I got to ask you, you know, there's a story that we were seeing that uh, the Bobby Knight autograph that you had. Billy Knight. Was it Billy Knight? Billy Knight. Yeah. Okay. Billy Knight. Okay. If there's a story, it's Billy Knight. Uh, Billy right. Knight was NBA. I don't know if Billy Knight plays the Indiana Pacers, but when I was little, I got his autograph at Pitt. And uh, 
he now is the head of the uh, Hall of Fame committee and I'm on that committee and I get a chance to see him and uh, talk to him a lot. And I tell him all the time, I said, you're my man, you're the man. And he was a fantastic player for Pitt. Yeah, it's Billy Knight. Bobby Knight never met um, and uh, wasn't recruited by Indiana. But uh, I remember my dad telling me that he never would want me to go there and, and play there. Although I think I could have, you know, handled all that crap. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So with, with your Pittsburgh, what is the alumni? How, how does, how is the alumni in Pittsburgh? Is it a strong co- group? Like, cause you know how the culture is at Villanova. Yeah. You know, we've had the it's, same coach for 46 years. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, it's not, it's not that way. I wish it was. I think Charlie has done a fantastic job of trying to bring us together. Keith Armstrong has really been our, our go-to leader. Um, where we just had a, I couldn't make it yesterday, but he'll have a Zoom meeting and invite everybody to come and talk. And we sit like this and, and we tell stories and, and it brings back so many memories because you forget so much, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and you'll remember this game or that game or this person or that person and what they said and what they did. And, and you'll learn things that you never even knew about. And uh, um, so we've kind of done our own thing. Um, the coaches that have come after uh, Coach Chipman really didn't bring us together. Um, I think Jamie tried a little bit to do that. I think Cable has tried a bit, but uh, it's just not happening, you know. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a shame. I don't, you know, you guys have the same coach, and I know Villanova when they had that the national championship, you have that bonding right away for the rest of your life, right? Uh, but we really haven't had that. There are some guys that I'll see that I haven't seen since. Um, playing days, you know, we'll come to the meeting, we'll come to a uh, alumni game or something like that, but it's not overly strong. I wish it was stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. fun. So yep. talk, to, let's jump into your, and you, now you coach high school. You're still yeah. coaching high school, right, Joe? 21 years. Yeah. 21 years of coaching high school. What were some of the things did you, did you draw on anything from Dr. Chipman in, in your coaching experience? Did you, I know you've nah. been successful too. You've won a couple of championships, right? Yeah. We, we did yeah. our we did our due diligence, Joe. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're professional <laughs> journalists now. Sonny we're and professional I, you know? journalists here, man. That's right. We've done the research before we did this. That's right. We Wikipedia you. That's we definitely yeah. did that, right, Sonny? So yeah. um so yeah, so talk about talk about um you know your influences on on your style of coaching and and talk yeah, about your kids I, I really, bit. you know, I I um was really never mentored, you know. Um I was minding my own business and my neighbor got the girl's job at Mount Lebanon High School, um, Pete Serio. He was married to Susie McConnell Serio, who played on the Olympic team and uh, played in the, um, and coached and played in the, um, the women's league. And he was my neighbor. He said, you want to help me out? And I was like, you know, I barely get along with my wife, let alone 25 high school girls. How am I going to do this? I can't coach girls. So I, but my boys were seven, five and three. I just had my daughter. And uh, I took the boys wintertime. It's dark at five o'clock. So I took them to the gym. They ran around and I met the AD and I liked it. And he said, you want to do this again? And I said, absolutely not, man. I can't handle girls basketball. But the AD, the coach, the boys coach left and the AD called me and said, hey, you want to want the boys team? And uh, I said, well, sure, I guess I'll, I'll try it out. But he said, I don't want you leaving. And I, he said, how many years can you give me? And I said, I'll give you two years. <laughs> and that was that's been 21 years it was a and, long-term uh, contract two years right there yeah 21 years and uh, it's been awesome it's, you know i got a chance to yeah the community here is wonderful and the relationships you meet my first class 
is 40 years old. Wow. I mean, some of these guys have, you know, more gray than I do. And, you know, they're, they have kids and, you know, the rewards in coaching, you get to sit down with some of these young men and um, they've had issues or problems, uh, marital problems, family problems, and they want to come talk to you, you know, Hey coach, you have a minute. Hey coach, you want to meet for lunch? Hey coach, can we have some dinner? I want to come over to the house. I've, I have a new girlfriend. I want you to meet her, you know, and, and that's really the reward that maybe that, you know, you've done a decent job. It's not the wins and the losses. It's, it's that. Um, yeah. And uh, it's been very rewarding for me. I just, um, I just want to tell you, fantastic. I coached nine years of varsity girls basketball. So yeah. I, I took those shots personally there when you said you couldn't coach girls. <laughs> just well, kidding. It wasn't, and it wasn't because of the girls. I'm just kidding. I, yeah. And I think, honestly, I think the girls, the first year coaching the girls, I think it hones your skills really well because it really teaches you how to teach and you really have to teach, you know, things. Sometimes you have girls there, they're just having some fun, yeah. you know, and, and, and you try to say, look, you know, don't you want to be great at this game? And you kind of realize, well, maybe they don't. Some girls do, some girls, some guys do, some guys don't. There's right. kids on my team I get on all the time. Like, don't you want to be great at this game? And, or do you just want to play it for fun? And if you do tell me, so I don't have to waste my time and trying to, you know, beat you up to, to, to motivate you to, to play harder and, and do better. But are you, uh, are you coaching the whole gamut, like AAU, the whole thing? Like you pretty much let I don't coach year? AAU anymore. I don't coach my son uh, a couple seasons in the, su in the summertime with Maverick and those guys with Ron Rowan. And, yeah. um, uh, but I don't deal with the AAU stuff. I, I think that's a whole different ball of wax that I don't want to get involved right. in. It gets kind of ugly and the, the game stinks. It's the, the, the defense is bad. Um, the coaching isn't that great no offense to those guys but you know you're not preparing for a team like you are in high school basketball so yes. we go over play a game tomorrow night these guys are scouted seven of our games already they know our plays they know things they know what they're going to do they're they're sitting around trying to figure out how to stop you and you're figuring out how to counteract that stoppage and yeah. uh, that doesn't happen at 10 o'clock at one o'clock and three o'clock on a Saturday, they eat tournament. you know, you kind of roll them out and you play uh, for mm -hmm. the most part. Maybe it happens at the upper level as you get to the championships and things of that nature, but um, doesn't happen that way. So I'm not yeah, a huge fan of it. It's kind of a necessary type of a thing. Um, I was part of the uh, NCAA Academy. They asked me to come coach there when the NCAA tried to do something to counteract the AAU. I remember that year, two years ago, they did that. They had four sites in the country. And they invited all the top players in the country, kind of like when we were there with the old five-star teams. Right. That's uh -huh. what they're trying to bring back. And then uh, COVID came and they've all, they haven't done that since, but they, they paid for the player and a parent to come to four spots in the United States, all expensive paid for a week. The NCAA wow. did. Yeah. Now so, I how many million dollars it was. Joe, in your 21 years of coaching, mm -hmm. What are the biggest differences that you've seen, not in the game so much, but in the kids, the parents? Do you have to deal with some uh, some some hovering helicopter type parents and uh, yeah. to be polite and some of those, those some of those types of folks? Yeah, you know, I've had them all. Um, I'm pretty elusive. You know, I do my own thing just kind of like I was back in the day. Um, I don't mess with parents. I don't talk to the parents. I have a meeting with them beginning of the year and I can't tell them how it is. And, um, but you know, I, I, I don't, um, I, I coach a game. I go downstairs, I my park out in the back. I go to my car and I go home. I don't stand around and listen to them. Um, if they see me come talk to 
you know, Mr. Spira, then they'll say, well, that's why Sonny's kids playing. Look, he, he likes him better than us. And so I kind of stay, keep my distance, but in answer to your question, um, you're seeing a, 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 a more of an entitlement type of a kid nowadays. Yeah. And, uh, and I've seen the transformation from when I first started coaching two decades ago till now. And, you know, I'm have to teach these kids sometimes that it's not okay to lose. Like, I know you got the participation trophies and that was kind of cool, but that doesn't mean squat. You know, there's a competition level that you have to attain and, and compete. And you're doing it not just to win basketball games, but you're doing it to teach them about life. Right. Because once, once they get out there and they expect that there's going to be something given to them and there's not, then they have these problems and these issues. And it's because they've been kind of catered to uh, all their life. Um, so you see a lot of that. And, I've read a lot of books on entitlement and how to get through that and how to coach through that. And um, um, it's helped me out a lot, but it's a different approach. You can't just scream and holler and yell at these guys and, you know, put them on the line all the time because it just doesn't work real well. Um, you kind of have to find some reasons for them to, to compete, you know? And uh, I mean, they'd play pickup games and walk off the court after a loss. And you couldn't tell who the winning team was and who the losing team was. And, you know, so we have to put something on it. You know, we yeah. play, what are we playing for? You know, a line drill, a 17, whatever. What are we playing for? So we're always competing. We're always doing that in practice. And I think over the course of, you know, our culture, that kind of builds that competition level in, up in them. And, and also, you know, Chuck, I talked to him about it, about entitlement. And I talked to him about, you know, um, why entitlement is not good for them and listen, you know, I got the opportunity to spend some time with Coach Wood and John Wood um, through a mutual friend of Mount Lebanon. I go out there every year and we talk about the same thing. And uh, I remember him saying to me that every, every parent wants their kids to play and they should want their kids to play. And it should bother them if they're sitting on the bench. And he said to me, so what are you going to do about that? You know, this is, this is the big guy, John Wood, talked to me yeah. and uh, put me on the spot. And I said, well, I'm just going to do the best I can and making sure that I manage those expectations. And, um, but he said, don't forget that, you know, their parents, they love their, their child and they want him to be happy. And if you can't make him happy, that's upsetting to them. So you have to contend with that. And uh, um, it's just the way it is. You've got to do the best you can. And maybe, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there, I mean, in, in, in years and, I don't know. I mean, I enjoy it right now, but I think there'll come a time maybe where I'm, I don't, and there'll be a time that I'll start getting better, uh, being a better golfer, you know, than, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So in, in, now you're, you're in the PT field and you've been very yeah. successful in that field. Okay. Yeah. And, and people, so it's kind of similar to, to Dr. Sparrow over here too, because I've been out with Sonny, you know, mm -hmm. a, a bunch of times. And it's fun. once somebody knows that you're in that business, hey, uh, I got a, I got an ankle problem, Joe, or I got my hip is killing me. And that somebody will grab their cheek and pull it out. What do you think of this? We, yeah. we had one guy uh, that was asking that was asking Sonny about a tooth that he got online somewhere. Would it be all right to, for him to put that in his own head? It was it was <laughs> unbelievable. Wow. So, you know, you get so my my point is, um you know, you, you get all kinds of wild and crazy people, right? So yeah. talk about, talk about, and then we'll wrap this up. Talk about yeah. your, what you're doing today, 
and, and, and your business. Cause I know, I know you're successful. I know your sons work with, I know at least one of them. Does two of them work with you or just one? Uh, there'll be three working for me. Three. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah. talk about that. Talk about your business for a second. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was a pre-med and, uh, my, my trainer, Dave Parent, um, told me in my senior year, second semester, he said, Hey, you should think about being a physical therapist. And me and my infinite wisdom said to him, what's physical therapy? This is senior year, second semester. So um, I ended up going to physical therapy school. I loved it. Uh, Dr. Fu tried to talk to me about who just passed away. He's a famous uh, orthopedic physician out of Pittsburgh uh, in the going back to medical school. And I said, no, I love physical therapy. And, I, and I've loved it ever since. And I enjoy helping people and uh, open up my own place in 94. And I have two places now. And uh, it's been really wonderful. I enjoy going to work every day, Chuck, Sonny. I enjoy it. And uh, I love helping people. And I'm that dude that <laughs> I'm probably different than Sonny, but I'm that dude that if you see at a party and you're like, look, my elbow's been bothered. And I'm like, let me see that. Let's go step over here. Let me check it out. You know, or pull up your pants. Let me see that. Knee. Let me get, get on the ground. Let me, let me, let me see what's, what's going on. I, I love it. So it doesn't bother me when people say that to me or ask me that. I mean, obviously if I have time, but if I'm doing something else, um, I'm, I have people literally, you know, the old timers are not left and I'll be coaching, getting ready to coach a game. The buzzer will go off and someone will be pulling on my shirt from behind my jacket. I'm like, what's up? And I'm like, Hey Jim, how you doing? Hey Joe, I got a prescription to come down and see you. Got some problems in my back. I said, listen, well, I'll talk to you about it. Let me coach this game here first. And we'll talk about it later. You know? <laughs> so they do that to me, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. And uh, um, I love what I do. I love coaching. I love, you know, uh, being a physical therapist. And uh, the fact that now I can go to work every day and be with my, my boys and my, maybe my daughter, we'll see if she, if she gets into it or not. She's, she's hitting, hitting that way right now. Um, I was probably thinking about retiring maybe and, you know, an exit strategy, but now to be able to wake up and go to the office and be with my, my, my sons. Um, it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. Hey, it's a game so, changer, uh, man. It's a game it changer. Is, you know, and I've had a chance to treat, you know, many celebrities and uh, sometimes they do filming here and uh, these, these, these actors come in and, um, you know, I interact with them and it's always kind of cool uh, to meet those types of people. But um, uh, it, it's been really wonderful. It's been really wonderful. So I don't work a whole lot now. I, I, uh, you know, I see patients today, you know, seven o'clock to one o'clock and uh, go to the gym. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Sounds very familiar. So that yeah. sounds very That's, familiar. Is that I, I would say to you, I would say to you guys, yeah, both start you guys seven. because yeah. you, because you guys are both kind of in the same boat here. When you, when you go to what you call work, all right. And, and it's, and you love what you do and you're with your family, your boys are with you and Sonny, your son's with you you know, and you love that and you're together, then it's really not working. It's really not work, right? I mean, you get Agreed. paid and everything like that. It is work. I'm not saying you don't work hard. Don't misunderstand me, but you must love what you do. And especially when you, when you can do it with family. And that's, that's really yeah. what it's all about. You're very fortunate. Yeah, I would say you guys. if you lived in, you know, communist China and they paid us, uh, you know, 800 bucks for the year, what would you do? I'd probably do the same thing I'm doing right now. I go to get right. up, go to work and uh, I'll do the same thing. So uh, it's been, it's been really cool. Well, on that note, Joe, thank you so thank much you. for coming yeah. out and hanging with us tonight. You know, we had a great time and uh, it was well, really good know, to see you and catch up with you. Um, yeah. Before I go, though, let me make sure that I speak for all the guys that played in the Big East and all those coaches. 
what you're doing for us is, is, is a gift. And um, I want to thank you for what you do for all of us. And just to be able to turn on the podcast and listen to uh, a former player or see a former player's face, it's yeah. awesome. So, you know, I just want to thank you from the, from the bottom of my heart for all, all you do. And maybe one of these days, you know, whenever you go, you, you celebrities, you know, we'll, we'll meet up and uh, have a drink and uh, watch you take it a game. We got to take Absolutely. them to the library, line up a couple of beers. Well, yeah, we gotta, I, you know what? I never got in trouble when I told people that I was in the library. They just didn't know which one I was in. So that's know. true. I could tell you, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you've been listening to the Big East Rewind with Sonny Sparrow and myself, Chuck Everson, the Big East Rewind. You can catch us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. The Big East Rewind was produced and directed by Daryl Gurney and Nick Chico Chorus. Yeah, please, uh, when you go on to YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. All right, well, you everybody have a great night. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.